Hey everyone, you are listening to the official podcast of the Evangelical Free Church of Ken, where our mission is to glorify God, helping each other become mature disciples of Christ as we worship, grow, serve, and reach. Alright church family, get a copy of God's Word, grab your Bibles, turn on your Bible app on your phone, whatever you need to do to make sure you've got a copy of God's Word in front of you, and I want you to open up to Philippians chapter 2, Philippians chapter 2, and this is where we're going to sit for this morning as we continue to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus, and this is also continuing in our series of talks that we started last week. And this series is, we're, we're calling this series uh, Like Christ, and we're asking the question, if I'm seeking to become more like Jesus, then what am I seeking to become? And as we talked about last week, this is rooted in uh, an understanding throughout Scripture that if I believe in the name of Jesus to be saved, the calling on my life from God throughout the text of God's Word is to become more like Jesus. Less of myself and more like Jesus. That is, I'm, I'm, gotta, I'm, I'm committing myself to walking in a manner that is less like my sinful flesh and more like Son of God, Jesus. And last week we talked about humility, which we see exemplified and modeled in the person of Jesus in the beginning portions of Philippians 2. And today we're going to read through the next section of Philippians 2 and seek to understand another concept here, another characteristic of Jesus that realistically should follow. And it's visualized, it's seen in Jesus' own death. In Him uh, carrying out this, uh, fulfilling the will of Him who sent Him, the will of the Father. And what you're going to see is that Jesus functioned in obedience. He acted in obedience, and there's a call here for us to, in the same way, act in obedience. And so, I'm going to start in verse 12 of Philippians 2, and I join me in reading through this. And soaking in God's word, he says in verse 12 of Philippians 2, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or disputing that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. Even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering Upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. Let's pray together. Father, may you be glorified this morning in not only the reading of your word, 
But in your Spirit's working, help us understand your Word. And more specifically, God, we pray that you would reveal to us how we can walk as people who are becoming less like ourselves and more like Jesus. That we would understand incremental steps to take in action and in response to the teaching of your Word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, the main idea today, if you get nothing else out of this, this is what I want you to grab hold of. And it's really a challenge. It's the application. It's the understanding of the text that we're going to talk about and see all of that Paul is communicating here in this next portion of Philippians 2. But that uh, is, as Jesus obeyed, you also obey. As Jesus obeyed, you also obey. If I'm seeking to become more like Jesus, what am I seeking to become? I'm seeking to become obedient just as Jesus was obedient. Now, if you look in verse 12, Paul starts his exhortation in this next section. He says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Now, understanding this, Paul begins by encouraging the Philippian, the, the church at Philippi to walk in obedience in the same way that they have obeyed. He's highlighting here that the church at Philippi has been faithful. They've been faithful to, to come back to the principles of God. And he, he's encouraging that. But at the same time, he's saying, now wait a minute. Don't stop just because you have been faithful up to this point. But continue in obedience. Continue walking in obedience. So now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence. Paul's in prison right now. He's writing this to them from prison and he's encouraging them, saying, as you have obeyed continuously, I want to encourage you, that just as you did when I was present with you, I want you even more so in my absence to continue to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Now, that can be a struggling passage for some of us who read this and go, wait, I thought that salvation is a work of God through Christ." And this isn't meant to contradict what Paul has said in many other places. In Ephesians 2, he says that you are saved by grace. This is not of works. So what does he mean here? Well, to understand this better, we need to recognize first that at the beginning of verse 12, he starts this passage with the word, therefore. And when we see that word, it should cause us to stop and go back to what has been written before this and evaluate, okay, there's, some, there's a reason there's a therefore here. There's a reason that he said therefore. So let me go back and we're going to see what he might have been meaning in this. So go back with me to verse 9. It says, Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So here Paul is highlighting this reality that Jesus has been glorified by God, is seated at the right hand of the throne of God and should be the focus of our confession, of our attention that every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. 
And so, tracing this back from verse 12, we see a focus on obedience that's now traced back to a visual of the glorification of Jesus. But notice in verse 9, there's another therefore. Which means we now have to go back again. So, in understanding this, let's go back to verse 5 and see if this picks up and gives us some more insight into what Paul's speaking of in the second portion of chapter 2. Verse 5, he says, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore. Now, church, exegetically, if we read this in order, we understand that God glorifies the Son in response to His obedience, in response to His humility, and then the challenge coming out of this picture painted of Jesus and all that He's done and all all that He has brought to be through His obedience, through His humility, Paul encourages the church to say, therefore, in light of what we know about Jesus, in light of what we are seeing as our example, you also do the same. Just as Jesus obeyed, you also obey. And understanding at the depth of this, our sanctification, our transformation, our becoming less like who we were and more like Jesus is contingent on us understanding that that can only happen through Christ. It could only happen through Christ. If I'm seeking to become more like Jesus, what am I seeking to become? Paul's encouragement here reveals that we should be seeking to become, as the church, obedient. No matter if we have been faithful in the past, to continue in that. To work out our own salvation. That is to work in a way that glorifies God, recognizing That my salvation is only through Him. That the process I am in is going to take work. It's not the work itself that saved me. Jesus accomplished that and we celebrate that today because He's risen. But my task is not done. I could be secure in Christ and not grow at all. And what is the point? James would say, your faith is dead. It's useless. Why, why even profess this if there's no change, if there's no transformation, if there's nothing happening? Therefore, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling and fear of who God is. Trembling at the thought that apart from Christ, I deserve death. To bring about a motivation To walk in faithfulness, in obedience to God's will. Just as Jesus has modeled. Obedient even to the point of death. 
Now, I, I want to make a couple observations here, and I want you to jot these down as we walk through them in understanding this practically and in desire to apply this well. The first thing I want you to recognize is that obeying as Jesus did is an act of humility. And we see this more specifically back in verse 8 when it says, And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Obedience as Jesus obeyed is a humbling reality. That is, if we're seeking, if, we're, if we set out and say, I'm going to become obedient as Jesus did, but I don't first step back and humble myself, I can't move any further. For me to become more like Jesus requires that I first recognize that who I am is not enough. And that takes humility. It takes humility to be able to step back and say, not my will, Lord, but yours. And that's exactly what Jesus said. In the midst of all that was taking place in John 17, Jesus himself in the high priestly prayer, he says to God the Father, Lord, I've done what you have put me here to do. I've, I've accomplished your will. And then he, he pleads with God. He says, return to me. This is in verse 5 of John 17. Return to me the glory that I once had with you before the world began. Think about the power in that verse. Where Jesus himself speaks about his preeminence. He speaks about his glorification as fully God, with God, before the creation of the world. And he affirms the humbling that took place. And cries out, Father, return to me the glory that I once had with you. Obeying as Jesus obeyed takes humility. It's an act of humility. Secondly... Obeying as Jesus did is a choice. It's a choice. Now, I have three young kids, and one of the things that is so glaringly evident on most days is that obedience does not come naturally. And my two-year-old is in this mode right now where you tell him not to do something, and he gets this biggest, most ornery smile on his face, and he does it anyway. And many of us can attest to this, whether in our own homes or we have relatives, grandkids maybe that we've seen this in, or you've been in a store and you've seen this play out in another family. But the reality is, is within our children we see a reality that maybe we don't often see lived out in our own lives. And that's this reality that obedience is a choice. And with my own children, oftentimes they end up in the corner because they've chosen not to obey. And after the consequence comes, all of a sudden they go, you ask the question, all right, are you ready to listen? And my two-year-old's response is, okay. He, he, he visibly makes this move from, I am going to be rebellious, I'm going to refute the instruction that's been given me, and now... I'm making a choice to walk in obedience. The same applies in our relationship to God and all that He's commanded us. 
There's no formula to say this will bring you into a place where you are automatically obedient to the Lord all the time. It has to be your choice. It has to be your choice. And understand this, that in the process of thinking through becoming more like Jesus, if you say, I want to become more like Jesus, but you don't make the choice to walk in obedience to God's will, then you have nullified the first statement. That is, for us to become more like Jesus, we cannot somehow separate that from walking in obedience to what God has already spoken And we see in the pages of Scripture that Jesus came and He died and He rose again. And we have this hope, this security. And that hope is eternal in nature and yet we're still here. And if we're still here, then what is our purpose? What is our focus? And Scripture speaks to that. And in summary, it's to become more and more like Jesus in word, in deed. In Philippians 2, when it goes even further into this, it gives specifics doing things without grumbling, that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life. A transformation that looks like that doesn't happen automatically doesn't happen automatically. It takes us not only making a a conscious decision, humbling ourselves. It takes the work of God in us. And it's a partnership. Understand that. This isn't something you can just fabricate and on your own decide, I'm going to become more like Jesus. We need to long for the Spirit's influence and pray and yearn for His guidance in directing us and revealing to us the areas of our life that need to shift and need to change. Obeying as Jesus did is a choice. Thirdly, obeying as Jesus did has eternal significance. Eternal significance. I want you to stop and think for a minute how things would be different if Jesus had all of a sudden decided I'm not going to do this. Now we could get into a long theological debate about whether that's even possible Jesus being fully man, fully God if he could uh, deny the Father. Like that, that gets into a whole complexity of other things that we need to save for another time but just stop and consider for a moment what what changes in the narrative of scripture if Jesus hadn't died if he didn't rise again and Paul says in his other letters that apart from the resurrection what we preach in the gospel is foolishness there's no life apart from that but understand also that Obedience as Jesus obeyed. Walking in step with... This has eternal ramifications. This eternal significance in the midst of this. And we see that laid out in verses 9 through 11 where it talks about the glorification of Christ in response to His obedience, in response to this act. And 
eternal significance carried over from the decision as to whether or not we are going to walk in obedience to what God has made clear. In the same way that Jesus' obedience had eternal ramifications, my obedience to God in Christ has eternal ramifications. And in Romans 5, it communicates that just as one man's sin led to condemnation for all, so why one man's righteousness we are made whole, we are redeemed, we are saved. Understand that our choice as to whether or not we are going to obey what God has put in place will have eternal ramifications. Just as Jesus' death and resurrection changed the course of eternity, for all people. So your decision today as to whether or not you will respond in obedience will have eternal ramifications. Now, in application today, it's really just our main idea. As Jesus obeyed, you also obey. And some of you are looking at it and you go, I have temptation in my life. I struggle with this. Yes. And in fact, in 1 Corinthians, it says you're going to have temptation. But guess what? There's a promise there that God will never let you be tempted beyond what you are able. But when you are tempted, He will always provide a way of escape. That is, you will always have the chance, the opportunity, as long as you are on this earth, to walk in obedience to what God has called you to. And as soon as this life is over, that, cho- that chance is gone. And so how do we do this? Practically. Walk me through, Matt. What does this look like practically for me to obey as Jesus obeyed? Where do I even start? And I want to challenge you in the midst of this to start with your own will. Start with your own desires, your own willpower, and determine, answer this question. What do your actions and your words reveal about who you obey right now? That's going to determine a lot. What do your actions and your words say about who you obey right now? Is it the culture? Is it the world? Is it your, your closest comrades, peers? Or is it the will of God? The next step in that, not only to evaluate your own will, but to understand what the will of God is. And understanding that in the midst of this, God's will has been revealed to us in His Word. God's will has been revealed to us in His Word specifically. And even understanding a passage like this in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 16, it says, Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. There's so much challenge there. 
in a time such as this to rejoice always. Why should I rejoice? Primarily because Jesus is alive. And therefore my hope is secure. But to walk in obedience, praying without ceasing, giving thanks in all circumstances, understanding the will of God for me is not to remain where I am, but to become more and more like Jesus. And the amazing truth in that is it doesn't matter where you're starting. Everybody has the same opportunity to stop, turn, and run with endurance towards Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Start with your own will. Evaluate that. Seek to understand what the will of God is. And then, lastly, understand that you don't have to do it alone. The Spirit of God is the one who works in and through you. Paul recognizes, even at this point in his life, where he doesn't know what the future holds. In verse 17, he says, Even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. Church, we have an amazing opportunity before us right now. Even as we're in our homes and we can't live life as maybe we picture it in our own minds, we have an opportunity to walk in obedience to the will of God. And not only that, but we have one who's gone before us and has modeled this to us. So we can know, we don't have to guess, we can know how we are to live, how are we to respond, and what our motivation and our focus should be. So this week I challenge you to evaluate yourself, to consider the truths of God's word, and to ask the question, how do I obey as Jesus obeyed? In the setting right now, who has, who has God called me to minister to, to care for, to walk alongside, to speak truth to? What responsibilities has God in Christ given me right now in His Word that He's revealed? Am I walking in obedience to those or am I running in fear? Church, my prayer is that in the same way we recognize Romans 8, the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, you'd recognize we have that same power indwelling in us. So that no matter what is going on around us, no matter how much death we see, we know the One who conquered it all. And all the more our motivation and our drive to serve, to love, to lead a life that glorifies the name of Jesus should pour out of who we are as the church. May we walk in obedience together just as Jesus did. Father, may you be glorified and may we recognize the areas of our own life where we are not walking in obedience to you. Reveal this to us and today, by your Spirit, transform us to renew our commitment to walking faithfully with you. 
that you would be glorified. We give you praise in Jesus' name.